So this week, a special guest on the Lega Football podcast. The name is Chiacchierata Calcistica. I'm going to bring in Andy Wallace. Tell the listeners about your profile name, Andy. What is that translation? Hi, David. First of all, thank you very much for having me on. The reason it was called Chiacchierata Calcistica is that basically it's the direct Italian translation of football bladder you know kind of scottish term the football bladder one of my friends at the time had a website with and it was talking about basically everything to do with football so i thought well i'll just create my own twitter account which kind of goes off of that and so i thought calcistica, which is this idea of kind of just chatting about all things italian football so it kind of spread from there sure and so we'll dissect it chiacchierata is one long word for those who are currently on duolingo or babble whatever you're using to discover new italian words chiacchierata means chat yes yeah basically more or less and calcistica in this sense is uh, to do with culture yeah exactly about football you know chatting about football essentially that justifies your presence on the web as you literally chat about all things italian football particularly the lower divisions which draws my attention and boy do you have a story for lega football regarding the demise of chievo verona and an attempted resurgence There is a saga here in which Andy will elaborate on a fight for the right to reclaim Verona's second football cultural identity. At one time, it was the first uh, identity of the city. Chievo Verona, the Giallo Blu, the Musi Volanti, the Flying Donkeys, whatever you want to call them. Chievo was ejected from Serie B in 2021, just before the beginning of last season. A club that was founded in 1929, I think it's 93, 94 years old now, and a club that represents a whole portion of the city of Verona. Chievo is an actual suburb for those that have never been there like myself. And I'll put a few words and names out there for today's chat with Andy. Sergio Pellissier, the former loyal Chievo clubman of over 500 games. One game and a goal for Italy as well, Andy, for a perfect record of consistency there. Pellissier is the owner and former player of Clivens that plays in the lower leagues. Sauna in Serie D is another name that Andy's going to talk about, a former Chievo club owner, Luca Campedelli, and some other names I'll just throw out there. San Martino Speme, Damiano Tomasi, the former Roma player who most will remember from the 2002 World Cup with Italy, the demise of Italy in South Korea and Japan 20 years ago now. And then there's even Vincenzo Iaquinta's son, just to throw in a dash of, I don't know, nostalgia and fresh blood at the same time. Andy, guide us as we traverse through this classico drama italiano. Well, I think this one's a particularly interesting one to talk about because Chievo Verona are one of these teams that you either love them or hate them, obviously because of the miracle, uh, you know, this, the whole story of them coming up. But also they seem to be one of the clubs that during the past, 10, 20 years, have just been hit by every scandal possible in Italian football, whether it was Calciopoli, whether it was, you know, Plus Valense, whether it was, you know, match-fixing scandals. Well, scandals are what Italian football's about, so please tell us more. <laughs> I suppose, I mean, Belisie himself, who was, you know, the captain of, of Chievo for so many years, you touched on it yourself, over 500 appearances, capped by Italy. He was at the centre of the scandal about 10 years ago, where he was accused of fixing matches for a betting syndicate. Ultimately, he wasn't prosecuted for it, or at least, you know, the prosecution was was uh, dropped eventually. So he's kind of one of these figures who became this hero. There was a potential for everything to go pear-shaped, and then he's become this hero again. The demise of Kievo kind of happened all of a sudden last summer 
when they, together with other clubs such as Samari de Deze, Casardana and Carpi, they were ejected from the league essentially. They lost their FA licence because of tax irregularities. So they were kicked at the league and forced to basically start again. And Kiev was one of those? Yes. They didn't meet the requirements or their deal to pay back the tax authorities wasn't approved? Yeah, this was a, a strange one where they, together with, with other clubs, had agreed uh, a kind of a, a scheme to pay back tax with the Inland Revenue, with the Italian Tax Administration. They had accepted it, but it wasn't in line with league rules. So when they applied for an extension of their, their FA licence, they were basically turned down and said, no, you can't play in the league. And that was together with those other clubs. The other clubs were from Serie C. Now, what usually happens in that case, and this is quite a, a regular thing in Italian football, um, where clubs are you know, kicked out for all sorts of reasons. It happened this year with Catania, which is more to do with actual bankruptcy. It's happened in recent years with Palermo, Bari. When a club is kicked out of the league, what usually happens is you have the, the mayor of the, the town or the city where that club is from tasked or he you know, tenders out the, the option for, for investors to come in and, and found a new club. The new suitors. Exactly. It's all private investment. So it's the mayor's job basically to get people interested in buying the club and, and you know, not, not buying the club that was there. The club that was there goes into a whole insolvency phase, but, you know, founding this new club and they have to have this business plan. They have to be serious investors. So if you had a connection with the mayor, it could do you some good. It helps. Let's say, and I think you know there are different tender processes as well. For example, when when Barry were kicked out of the league and they had to start up again, they had about eight or nine bidders, you know, bidding to take the club. That doesn't usually happen. Usually, you have one or two. Recently, with Catania, they had a process where I think there were three interested bidders. Eventually, it was this. It was uh, an Australian group who. Oi oi oi! The Aussies. Yeah, who won their tender? And for Barry, it was it was the big hitter. This time from, from eight or nine contenders, you know, the De Laurentiis family got in there. So With Kievo, they went through this process as well, where the, the mayor looks for, for interest from different groups. And one of the first groups to express their interest was Sergio Pellissier, but he couldn't get the tender in on time. He couldn't bid in time. So ultimately, the, the whole process was, was abandoned. There was, there was no one interested in taking on the club. Pellissier, well, it's the romantic name that you'd want associated with a club like Kievo to re-emerge. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, he was the one who was interested. He couldn't submit the bid in time because he didn't have the financial backing. And this is important because he couldn't find someone willing to back him to, to pay the price that they would need to pay to convince the mayor to give them basically the, the keys to the new key of Verona. So what he did is that he started a club from scratch. He decided, okay, if we can't play with the club in Serie D, which would have been the case if they had uh, won the tender, we'll start from the very bottom of Italian football, the ninth tier, um, and we'll crowdfund essentially our club. That's a long way down from Serie D to, you know, I don't even know what letter that is. Ninth division. Wow. And and so they're crowdfunding this effort to to get their team back and they have to start from the bottom. Yeah. They set themselves this this series of targets, I suppose. There was kind of the lower threshold, the, the medium threshold and the upper threshold. The aim was always to play out the first season in Terza Categoria, this uh, ninth division. 
and to, from there, find a way of lifting the club into Serie D directly. Now, for that, you need a lot of money. Through the course of that season, they won handsomely, uh, as you would imagine. The, the ninth year, Sergio Pellissier himself was uh, one of the, the players in that. He would have been age you know, 42, 43, I think, if I'm not wrong. I think he got a couple of goals. Yeah. Bringing back the old, the glory days were back, so... Great yeah, to see. it's something you don't lose, you know. If you're that kind of striker, you can score anywhere. Still got it. But good to see Policier back there and, and rekindling the old days from his Kiev form. Yeah, during the course of the year, they managed to raise about 600 and you know, just short of 700,000 euros, which isn't that bad for a, a crowdfunding campaign for a club like Kievo that isn't known for having a fanatical support, that doesn't have that supporter base that you have with bigger clubs who have tried to basically become fan-owned, who have tried to uh, put in these drives to to allow the fans to own the, cl- own the club. Now, what Belize did, Belize was, was cle- more clever than that. He knew that the Cable fans didn't have the financial power to propel a club like Cable up the leagues. So he targeted local business. He targeted the campaign nationally. He didn't just target it at uh, people in and around Verona. He internationalized it in a way. So what he said is basically you can you know, buy your share in you know, Clevense, which was the name of his Phoenix club, for 250 euros minimum. Or you can pay 1,000 euros if you're a company and you'll have special benefits. Or you can pay you know, whatever tier was above that and you'll have even more benefits. So that way, there are around 670, just short, just short of 700 members. And between them, they, they put in this pot of around 700,000 euros. Well, it's so good to see these small club supporter bases coming together and trying to crowdfund and finance. We have to remember... Kievo is a very small suburb. It's, I think there's only, uh, you know, a few thousand people living there. And if we're going to compare it to a side in today's Serie A, I guess Sassuolo would be the best, you know, analogy because Sassuolo is basically a village that is very well funded. And that's what Kievo was once upon a time back in the Marazzina days and the Eriberto days with Pelissier. And they were brought up from Serie B and all of a sudden they're finishing the top six. That's what Sassuolo kind of did. And such a small area to catchment area for fans. Yeah, and I think Sassuolo is an interesting comparison um, as well because whereas Kievo have been mired in a lot of these scandals over recent years, you compare that to Sassuolo who have come up and they've been squeaky clean. So in some way, even though they come, they're, they're the same size in a way, you know, the same size of original fan base. There, there have been these differences between them, and even Sassuolo. You, know, you might say, you know, people in Reggio Emilia would say, you know, you've got blood in their hands because they've basically tried to kill Reggiana by moving from Sassuolo, you know, buying the stadium in, in Reggio Emilia. Whereas Chievo, you know, they have always stayed in Verona. You know, they've not tried to take anything from anyone and they have uh, tried, to, tried to climb up the leagues that way. But this ownership model that Clevense, Belicia's uh, Phoenix club, were trying to create this was entirely new in Italian football. There'd been, you know, I don't think there had been anything like it. There have been campaigns, as I say, to create these fan-owned clubs, but there just hasn't been the the power behind it. So going into this summer, Pelicier's ambition was to take the club into Serie D. 
how he was going to do that was never quite clear, but it was always in the business plan. His intention was to be automatically lifted into Serie D because, you know, they would be, be accepted by the mayor of Verona as the successor club again. So they would have this right to, to start from, from Serie D. And also we should probably mention here, Serie D is technically not a professional league compared to Lega Pro Serie C, and it's in the name there with Lega Pro, it's, it's the league where you start to turn professional. And I think in one of your other threads that I've read, you explain that Serie D sides, even if they win their division, they don't have to go up to the third division if they don't see fit, if they don't want to, if they don't have the funds, if they feel like playing another season in the fourth division. And and therefore, it is easier for a new enterprise such as a Clivenza to wind up in Serie D. It's just as easy to go bankrupt in Serie D and you're vanished. And a club like Clivenza may be granted that position that's, that's just become vacant. Yeah, I think Serie D is, uh, you know, by nature, it's a kind of semi-professional league. You have clubs who go into Serie D and invest. You have other clubs in Serie D who are, you know, kind of glorified village teams. Um, sure, you've got a few baristas in there. The Macelleria, the guy that owns the butcher shop, got a couple of sons. They might train Tuesdays and Thursdays with the local side and end up playing in Serie D. How many Girone are there in Serie D? How many divisions, Andy? I think there are nine. Yeah, there are nine. And the number of teams who play in each varies uh, depending on how many teams can they go bankrupt each year, which is you know, a fair, fair number. There's between 150 to 200 teams, potentially. Yeah, I think this year they're looking at 166. But that can expand, and they're they're quite flexible. And the, if there if there is space to expand, they'll expand it to you know they'll they'll add in another couple of teams, another four teams, especially if there are teams dropping down from Serie B, Serie C, or you know these Phoenix clubs who are springing up. So it's not a strange thing for Serie D to accept clubs coming from out with their division. In the case of Clevense, they refused their their application. Uh, to join Serie D by basically saying, look, you gave up your right to join the, the fourth tier by basically playing in the ninth tier for a whole season. So you decided to play in the ninth tier, so we're not suddenly going to elevate you to the fourth tier. For a moment, it seemed to have almost sunk the project because Pellissier at the beginning was adamant that he wasn't going to buy another club further up the, the, the leagues. He was going to try and get in by those kind of accepted means. But that was shut off to him. We talked before about the the kind of mayor of Verona and how last year he was trying to get things off the ground. And this might be a good point to kind of touch on the uh, mayoral elections in Verona that were going on at the same time as Pellissier was trying to get his Clevency side into Serie D. The winner of the mayoral elections in Verona was a certain Damiano Tomasi, who obviously had a, a long career at Roma. He, I believe he's a, a native of Verona, I think he must be. Yeah, I think he even had a spell later in his career for some San Marinese side in the Champions League. He ended up as, as mayor of Verona in a very interesting time. Also because he was at least an acquaintance of Sergio Pellissier. He was very active, Damiano Tomasi, always in the, the trade unions, you know, the footballers' union. So it's natural that they, he would have that positive relationship with, with Sergio Bellissier. So he 
was or or will have perhaps a decision to make quite soon because at the same time as Sergio Pellissier has been trying to to build his club sure um there was an attempt by former Chievo Verona chairman Luca Campadelli to find his own way back with that rejuvenated Chievo Verona into Serie D also by legitimate means. Now, what Luca Campadelli was doing, he kind of said, look, I don't really believe in this uh, Clevense project. I don't believe in this Belicia project. What we're going to do instead is that we'll basically appeal to the Italian FA and say, we were wronged last year by being kicked out of the league. Can you have us back in Serie D? So to avoid a turf war, Campadelli is going with a tactic. We were kicked out and it was the wrong thing to do. We should never have been kicked out. Let us back in and we'll start from Serie D. Yeah, in a way to, to stop a turf war, in, the way, in a way to start one. Because he's basically saying Sergio Pellissier's Clevense are not the legitimate heirs of Chievo Verona. Chievo Verona never died. We're still here. We'll prove it by playing in Serie D next season. And he looked to be having a certain amount of success in the in the course. He certainly agreed to to hear the case, and they'll continue to hear it. You know, into into October. Although it looks like you know the most probable outcome there is a sizable payment of, of damages uh, rather than being readmitted to Serie D. But what has happened is in the meantime is the Serie D. You know, the cable players who were with Cable Verona. At the time of their ejection from the, the Football League, any cable players who haven't found a club since then have been barred from joining any other clubs. The, the, the Italian FA have said basically, Cable Verona have a legitimate claim here, so we'll put an injunction on those players joining other clubs. So this is ruining potentially the careers of some players, and you would assume a lot of those would be up-and-coming players considering they were playing in the Italian second division and they came eighth, let's not forget, when they were kicked out for bankruptcy. And when you make the top eight in Serie B, you make the playoffs and you can potentially go up to Serie A, just like we saw Monza do beating Pisa. So I know that a few Kiev players moved on. I know that this decision was a swift one by Serie B to not allow Kiev or Verona to take part in the 2021-22 season. And therefore, Cosenza was allowed back into Serie B uh, because Kievo obviously vacated. So Cosenza actually ended up with a few of the players. I know that one even went to the A-League in Australia. So those that remained with Kievo are being punished more or less. Are they? Uh, well, let's hope that they're still getting paid somehow, but this is just such a weird story. So there's an injunction. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the injunction is more symbolic than anything else because so many of those cable players have found new clubs. If there are, you know, there there's, will still be uh, youth team players contracted and the youth team uh, of Kiewa Verona and, and Kiewa have an, an excellent youth system. They have continued with the Kiewa Verona name. So I think partially perhaps it's to, to protect Kiewa youth system from, from having their players poached, with it, which if that's the case, that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. As those players get better, they, they're worth more money. Kiewa can potentially move them on or can save them up for when they're allowed back into one of the divisions. Sorry, Andy, go on. So in the meantime, Luca Campadelli has has, um, kind of realised that he won't be able to get his Cable Verona team back in Serie D in time for the the new season. 
So what he did instead was he thought, right, we'll get in, in there early. We know that Sergio Pellissier wants into Serie D. The only way he can get into Serie D now is by buying a club in Serie D, taking them over. So Campadelli has the same problem that Pellissier had last season. Is this what's happening with Campadelli now? Not, not being allowed into Serie D the same way? Essentially, yeah. He was trying to get in through another door. Belissier was trying to get into Serie D through the through the Phoenix Club route where there is this, you know, the Petrucci ruling. Petrucci ruling allows clubs who follow the successor club of a club who have been kicked out of the league into Serie D directly. But he was uh, denied that. Campadelli is trying to go through the route saying, look, Cable Verona is still alive. We have the right still to be playing football. So they wanted uh, to get in that way. He was denied um, through that route. So both of them ended up trying to get into Serie D through the same route. Campadelli was first in the draw. He struck a deal with uh, Sona, which is a club from just outside of Verona. Sona, if you've heard of it, it might be because that's where Douglas Maicon ended his career, or at least um, you know, played out some of the final days of his career wow. in Serie D. We all remember Douglas Maicon, great Inter player. He also played with Roma. That's the same Maicon we're talking about here. Exactly. Absolute champion of the Inter, game. Inter, Roma. I think he also had a spell at uh, some club in San Marino in the Champions League. There's a, a theme here. Same agents later on in their career. <laughs> exactly. But that story kind of ended. The Campadelli saw the opportunity to buy Sona uh, and turn them into Chievo. Sona, he would take the name of his old club, Kievo, and basically, you know, glue it into the front of the the name of of Sona. And I guess that would be his tactical way of luring in any potential fans that might go over to Clivence with Pellissier, the kind of a battle of the owner of the club and its former star in Pellissier against Campadelli, the, the master and apprentice here. It's such a a dynamic where that's playing out for both of these guys that want their clubs back in. Well, I guess Policier has never had a club before, but he wants to drive forward with Clevense and now Campadella using that tactic to get hold of Sauna, mm-hmm. but tag on that name, Kievo. Yeah. And here, you know, we, we talked about Pelicier's past with Kievo being the captain for so many years. Campadelli. You know, he was the one who brought Cable from the lower leagues. His father owned the club in the 1960s. His company basically sponsored, was the main sponsor, uh, bankrolled the club for the past 60 years. So would he see this as a coup from Pellissier? He'd feel offended that Pellissier is trying to take over and bring Kievo back? Or is Pellissier doing this because he felt that no one else was going to? I think Pellissier was doing it because he did feel that no one else was going to do it. I don't think his relationship with Campadelli was particularly sour at that point. I know it has been sour in the past, but I think he just felt that, you know, Campadelli's club had failed. He had a responsibility to bring Kievo back from the dead because no one else was going to do it. So it's only after that that we have got into this situation situation where those two clubs are kind of at loggerheads. Again, going back to Kievo Sona, Campadelli's club in Serie D, who would be starting the season with his Kievo Sona name, he was denied that as well. Campadelli was denied that because the courts said to him, look, Kievo Verona, the club, are now in the hands of the court. We are you know, administrating 
the club on your behalf. It's not going out of business, it's not been liquidated, but basically at this moment in time, you have no control over the club. So we can't let you use the Kievo name, the Kievo's intellectual property, and you know basically use it to, to further the interests of a, of a different club. So that's Advantage Policier. So that's Advantage Policier. And I, and what Campadelli was trying to say was, look, Kievo is not a brand. Kievo is the, the name of the, the district of Verona, where we are from. We can't, you, know, you can't deny us Public domain. That. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, you know, he's got a legitimate claim there, but the courts ruled otherwise. At the same time then, Policier in the end struck a deal with San Martino Speme, who had just been relegated from Serie B and were now playing in Echelenza in the fifth tier. It was basically a 100% buyout. It was uh, Clevense deciding that they were not going to get into Serie D by any other means, so they would buy out this club and sit in the fifth tier and then use it to get into Serie D and then into Serie C, Serie B. They had this five-year plan to get into Serie B, an eight-year plan to get into Serie A. Um, that was before they, 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 they bought the club in, in Echelenza, so probably everything is set back a year. And we've seen clubs do this before. You know, We've seen Parma do it recently. If you're in Tina, 15, 20 years ago, Napoli had to do the same thing after their you know, shattering demise and they're a huge club. Now Palermo are on the way back up. You know, So this is what Kiev all want to do. Those are the examples we're going to use for this Kiev or wannabe project, whoever wins the battle. Yeah, so... Going into the season, everything is reasonably settled there now. Belissier has his club in the fifth tier. He's decided that that's where he's going to start from. He's building his club. One of the players who he has brought in is the son of Vincenzo Iaquinta. He's hoping to, to build a team that will uh, gain promotion directly from Echelenza into Serie D and then in Serie D to win the league from there. Echelenza, in theory, is a very easy league to win promotion from. Don't say that to Livorno fans, though, who <laughs> just had a similar experience. They've just gone through a season in Echelenza where they originally you know, lost the playoffs, so were denied a spot in Serie D. It looks like they will be back allowed back into Serie D because of a kind of match-fixing scandal there. But certainly it was no easy task for those for them. Yeah, you've just written about that on your Twitter feed as well. And I guess if there's enough former professional footballers' sons around, maybe they can get a, a best of 11 of the former 2006 World Cup champions. Maybe get Simone Barone's son in there as well as Iaquintas. So. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of them going around. So it looks like they're, they're kind of settled and it looks like they will, will try to go for the Echelenza title this summer. It looks like they'll be playing in San Martino. San Martino Buon Albergo is the town just outside of Verona. But the fact that it is so near Verona means that if they do want to move into Verona proper, they will be allowed to do so. I think there's like a, something like a 40 kilometre limit. That if you buy a new club, you can only move it within 40 kilometres of the base of the, the old club. Okay, interesting. So they're able to kind of to do that if they so wish. Meanwhile, in Serie D, with Cavo Sona, it looks like they're going to have to remove the Cavo name. They'll just be boring old Sona again. So it looks like Campadelli's future as Cavo owner, as the uh, rightful, you know, historic patron, let's say, of Cavo, is, uh, is 
probably coming to an end. Again, in the lower tiers of Italian football, you never know. You can never say that something's finished, that something's starting. Yeah, there's so much uncertainty. But it looks like that is the, the direction of travel, that Pellissier has defeated Campadelli indirectly because I don't think there ever was that particular bad blood, but I think he's won that battle and they will now be seen as the legitimate successors of Chievo Verona. Wow. I mean, all the makings of a classic Italian telenovela with, you know, a soap drama where you've got political situations in there and former footballers that were involved in scandals. And all we need now is a situation where maybe Scalacci's wife with Gianluigi Lentini. We need something like that in here <laughs> just to spice it up a little bit at the end. Maybe it's it's well worth a trip to Verona. You could go and see Hellas on the weekend and then go and watch a derby between San Martino Speme and Sona. So from here, what is going to happen next, Andy? As far as Sergio Pellissier is concerned, he will be looking at the next stage of his business plan. He will be looking at more investment. He'll be looking at getting the investment to lift them into Serie D, to be competitive in Serie D, and most importantly, to be able to get into professional football again in Serie C. From there, Serie C is one of the hardest divisions in European football to get out of. There are clubs who have been in there for forever, who just cannot get out. So their ambition of climbing into Serie B will require a lot of investment. It will require excellent management and it will require a lot of luck. I think this season, obviously, he has a good chance of, of winning Echelenza, that fifth tier, which would put him into Serie D next season. In Serie D, you never know how it's going to pan out because you don't know if there are clubs who are going to go bust you know, higher up the leagues. But if you have a good side, if you're able to invest in a good side, there is a good chance you will be able to storm Serie D as well. So that looks like, you know, the kind of direction of travel, the investment plan, the crowdfunding plan has got a lot of coverage in the media as well. So it looks like quite a sustainable plan as well. And hopefully... You know, for me, because I, I said at the beginning that Kiel are always one of these clubs who you love them or hate them. I've always tended towards the um, the the hatred camp with with Kiel Verona. But, you know, not to put too strong a, a term on it. I've always considered them one of these clubs who who uh, do create more more problems than good. But the way things are now, if they're able to put in a sustainable business plan. Um, the other clubs are going to be able to follow. They have a strong, you know, if, if they're able to co-opt the youth system that Kiel Verona had, for example, that would make it a very socially worthwhile club to to follow. So yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. There's also, you know, if we go into the internal workings of football in Verona as well, Verona also have a team in Serie C, Virtus. Verona, who are another club who have climbed up from, from way down. So at this point, Clivense aren't even the, the second team or the third team in Verona. Yeah, I think it's, it's one to watch and definitely uh, it would be great to see them back in Verona, to see Clivense back playing in Verona with Pellissier. If not this season, then, then hopefully next season. Uh, hopefully uh, the mayor, Damiano Tomasi, will sort out the, the bureaucracy there, the red tape, and they will be back there as soon as possible so that it does make for that uh, weekend where you can do Hellas Verona, Virtus Verona, Clivense, all in the same weekend. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? 
That would be wonderful. And it's going to be interesting how this plays out. Tomasi obviously has that link with Pelissier. Uh, you wrote how Tomasi attended Pelissier's book release. Was it a book release? That's right. Yep. I guess there could be a twist here. Imagine if Pelissier and Campadelli joined forces and overtook Virtus and Hellas, and that could be the headline in three or four years' time. And perhaps if we get in now and invest in this project, Andy, you know, we could be sitting in the VIP section at one of these Verona derbies, you know, by 2027. <laughs> if we, I might have to read through Pelissier's business plan here and, and just see if it's worthwhile investing now. And you also mentioned in your tweets how there's no NFTs involved, non-fungible tokens, and it's all cash. And that's what Italians like the best. And obviously the court is enjoying that as well. They've got hold of Kiev or to Campadelli's detriment. But uh, you also wrote that he won a court challenge after being booted out of Serie B. Since then, he's contested the decision and they ruled that he was wrongly ousted and Kiev was wrongly ousted. Is is that correct? Is that how I'm reading it? They granted the application for an injunction. So said that for the moment, they'll kind of give Campadelli the benefit of the doubt. And then I think there's a hearing in October to kind of decide on, on the, the facts of the case. Um, to decide whether they were wronged um, or or not. It's probably unlikely that he'll win the case. So just now it's almost like a, a reprieve. It's kind of giving them time. But winning that initial contest with the court, trying to win that injunction, has given them a positive press at a time when Campadelli has found positive press hard to come by. It's worth saying it as well that he's also facing other issues to do with the bankruptcy of you know, the, the company that, that, that owned Cable, they have also gone bankrupt. So he has other troubles. Cable, you know, Cable aren't his only trouble. So it's interesting to see what his end game will be as well. But I think there is a general affection from his side. The end game would be a blame game, surely, because if he does win and contest that and wins, then he would be up for millions of euros in, in a payout here, surely. And that would put an end to all competition you would assume if he could reinvest that and bring his uh, Kiev or Sauna dream back into reality but yeah I think there, there is that kind of that romantic you know the romantic idea that, that that could happen where Campadelli does you know win the court case take Kiev or Verona back into, into Serie D perhaps even merge with Clevense and you know it would just be one big happy family but there's also the you know the cynic might say that he's after the uh, the damages and once he's awarded them he won't be particularly fussed about the, the future of the club. You know, as always, in Serie D, Echelenza, we don't know how it'll turn out. Hopefully it won't cause the season to be disrupted anymore. I don't think it will be. But yeah, certainly, certainly a story worth following. Yeah, definitely have to keep following this one. It's one of the former patrons, as you said, with the Campadelli family, the former owner of Chievo Verona that we all knew that were in Serie A until just a few seasons ago. And then Sergio Pellissier, their main man, their main striker, who was there from 2002 to 2019. And we will keep tabs on this one. We'll wrap it up there with Andy Wallace. Chiacchierata Calcistica by Will Link, his profile and this tweet in our Lego Football post, an article. So it will be in the description of this podcast as well. And uh, 
so good to have you on, Andy. It's my pleasure, David. Anytime, you know, if anyone's interested in reading, you know, some of the dynamics about lower league Italian football, Serie C, Serie D, yeah, give me a follow. Feel free to to reach out, you know, to ask about some of the clubs that were glorious in recent times to see what, what fate has befallen them. I'll just say now, I won't speak on behalf of all the other commentators out there, but a lot of Serie A and Serie B commentators go to Twitter for these wonderful moments of historic value where we get to read about some weird scandals like this one going on or a Phoenix club that's back. Andy Wallace is one of those guys that not just myself, but a couple of others that I know have read and will go to. And you've also written an article for the Gentleman Ultra. Did you want to elaborate on what that one's about? Yeah, I was asked to to, to contribute a, a Dream 11 or an all-time 11. So I thought I would go with a, a kind of cult hero, a lower league cult hero 11 and bring in some of the players who I have either read about or you know watch clips from or you know players who, who I have seen in the lower leagues of Italian football some of them who did play in Serie A some of them even had kind of reasonably long careers in Serie A but the kind of gist of it is that they must have become legends in the lower leagues they must have played most of their careers in the lower leagues and there are a couple of them there who are still playing you know, one of them still playing at Catania, one of them still playing at Albia into into his 40s. So there are quite a few characters there. Some of them had shorter careers as well. It goes back into the 1970s, just a couple of names. But I did the AC Milan 11. What's the name of your 11? The 11 is called the Italian Lower League Cult Heroes All-Time 11. Oh, I can't wait to read that. That is going to be sensational. Wonderful. It's great to see so many contributors getting out there and writing and, you know, donating. You're basically donating part of your brain, your mental capacity, your knowledge to culture. And that's wonderful to see. And Scottish background as well. Culture lover. You speak Italian fluently. I've read a few of your tweets as well in, in Italian. Yeah, and that's great as well. You know, it's great. Twitter's great because you're able to, you know, connect with people you know, across boundaries and with, you know, yeah. I suppose it's another stimulus for, for you know, learning and improving your Italian to be able to kind of uh, grow that, yeah. that base of people who you can interact with. And it's fantastic, you know, people, especially following, you know, Serie C, for example, being able to... Uh, connect guys in Messina and Reggio Emilia and San Benedetto del Toronto, San Benedetto Desi supporters. You know, it's, it's great. It really kind of opens up a whole new world. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with you. It's just so much in, in Italian football to talk about and so many purist fans out there. Am I right? Do, do you support Frosinone or you follow them? Yeah. I mean, got into lower league Italian football through Frosinone. Okay. So it's a team I've always taken an interest in. I've always said that, you know, I, I grew up as a, a Dundee supporter in Scotland. You can never remove that in favour of another team. They will always, if, I always say, if you come out of jail eh, after 20 years, the first result you're going to ask for is the team you grew up with. But I certainly yeah. eh, developed this liking for Frosinone. And then over time, that's kind of developed. And when I was living in Turin, I'm going to follow Torino. In recent times, I've become enamoured by, by Taranto who, you know, were playing in Serie C last year after a long, long time in the, in the lower leagues. And honestly, Italian football is so rich that it's hard just to follow one club. There's so many stories from everywhere. I just love the, the provincial nature of it. Italy is such a special country as well, where every town has its distinct identity. And every club in each town has its proud 
history. Yeah, they all have their their stadium and they all have their cathedrals, and that is basically what they've been worshiping for the last century. As you said, the history is so rich. You can go anywhere. You know, I've got cousins in the hills of Abruzzo. The town of Cesaproba di Montereale has a squad, and you know, one of my distant cousins is the coach. He's 38 years old, and there are 13-year-olds that play in the first team, and then there's you know 42-year-olds. So it's wonderful to see. It's so good to go down and and just watch the local game. It's it's like going to India and watching a cricket game just on every corner. You can find that in Italy, and there are those purist fans that are in it for the stories, not just how the ball is kicked, but it is who was behind the club. You know, who's not necessarily cutting the oranges, but who's you know the families that live near the clubs, and they've got all the stories, and they've been there for for so long. And it's great when you see a youth product of that area, like a Giulio Maggiore with Spezia or Lorenzo Insigne at at Napoli or whoever it is. It's so good to see local talent playing for their club, no matter how big and small they are. And uh, you're now based in Prague, but still uh, a huge follower, uh, no matter where you are. Obviously, it's Dundee and then it's, you know, Serie D the next day or the next hour. Do you you watch a fair bit of the lower leagues? Do Do you have the apps and... I try and watch as much Serie C as I can. That is broadcast on 196 Sports, all the games in Serie C, and that kind of does me. And you can watch them, you know, even after the match. You can go in and watch them the next day, and it has the the full match. Um, So, yeah, that's been great. That's been great for for watching a lot of these kind of lower lower league teams. So it's a 196 app if you're outside of Italy. If you're inside of Italy, I think it's the 11 channel. That broadcast it and you're geo-blocked for people that want to see a bit of free Serie B. You can see that on the Mola TV app, but I'm sure it is geo-blocked in some locations around the planet. Geo-blocked in Prague, unfortunately. I was trying to trying to watch it the other night. I'll leave it with you there, Andy. Thanks so much for joining us. So we're going to have you back on the pod for rather interesting topics on Italian football. So wonderful to talk to you, and thank you for taking the time to join LEGO Football. Thank you, David. It was my absolute pleasure, and I look forward to speaking to you sometime soon in the future. LEGO Football.